Welcome to the Yes Collective podcast. The Yes Collective is an emotional health studio run by the best therapists and psychologists around. Our team focuses on cutting edge approaches like internal family systems, somatic therapies, authentic relating, and trauma-informed experiential group practices. Follow us on Instagram and Facebook to learn more. I'm Justin Wilford, PhD, Director of Content and co-founder of Yes Collective. And each week I join my host, Jenny Walters, licensed therapist and co-CEO of Yes Collective to bring you the most amazing cutting edge therapists, psychologists, coaches, and other leaders in emotional health. Thanks so much for joining us and be sure to subscribe and review on Apple Podcasts. All February long, we're focusing on building and maintaining authentic relationships. This week, Jenny and I talk with executive matchmaker and dating coach, Sophie Singer, because she helps people find those authentic connections that lead to lifelong relationships. Sophie knows a thing or two about how to start an authentic relationship, and we wanted to hear it all. Like, how do people start relationships authentically? Uh, don't we all just want to put our very best foot forward and hide all the uncomfortable stuff and hope to reel a person in before getting authentic? And what does it mean to be authentic in the dating world? So in this episode, Sophie tells us about how she built her decade-long career as an executive matchmaker, how she coaches clients as they navigate the dating world, why dating is so damn hard these days, why the practices of authentic relating are the key to finding the right person, and how she's disrupting the dating and matchmaking world today. Even if you're like us and your dating days are far in the past, you're gonna love hearing Sophie's wisdom, her stories, and her passion for helping people connect deeply and authentically. So without further ado, here's our conversation with the truly wonderful Sophie Singer. I feel like since we're talking about authentic relationships uh, all month long that I kind of have to be transparent and authentic about the relationship that we have built, Sophie, over the last year. Yeah. So we are first, first of all, we are, we are fellow childhood cancer parents um, and not <laughs> only childhood cancer parents, but brain tumor parents. So it, yeah. it, like we, we, we share a very similar journey here. Um, so we've known each other for a few years, uh, but we have become really close over the last year uh, because I have I've essentially become like your IFS coach, your internal family systems coach. Um, and it's been an incredible, fun, uh, enlivening, um, life affirming journey for me. <laughs> and um, and and so we bring that background into it. Jenny, I just want you to know that as well, because, um, you know, Sophie and I, I, I like we we uh, we talk like we're quite buds. A bit. So, yeah, we're <laughs> buds. We're buds. Um, yeah. <laughs> yes. So uh, but I do want to be clear. That's not why you're here. <laughs> so you are here because you are an executive matchmaker. Right. So. Yes. All February, we are talking about building authentic relationships and uh, like you help people find like these wonderful, authentic relationships, romantic partnerships that uh, change their entire lives. And so we wanted you on 
Um, you know a thing or two about what it takes to start an authentic relationship. Uh, so I guess we want to start off with this question. How do people start authentic relationships? Because it seems like to me, and I, I have not gone on out on a date in, I, I don't know, since I was like 20 years old or something. <laughs> um, but it seems to me that if I'm going to go out on a date or if I'm going to start like meet uh, looking for a romantic partnership, the last thing I want to do is be authentic. Like I have a part in me that's like, oh, I need to build the facade. I need to say the right yeah. thing and, you know, hide, hide all the junk. So how, how do people even build authentic relationships these days? It's pretty tough these days, to be honest, <laughs> uh, given the current landscape um, of modern dating with dating apps. Um, but I guess the easy answer is to just show up as who you are from the get-go and versus who you think you need to be in order to be appealing or interesting um, or attractive to the person you're sitting across from. And that's a lot easier said than done. Like you said, you're going on a date, you want to have these facades up and, you know, women are always like, I'm cool, I'm chill, I'm not needy. Like, don't want to show too much emotion. Um, you know, don't want to scare him away. But honestly, it's it's just who you are from the start is how you're going to show up going forward, or you're going to have to keep showing up that way until mm. you can't anymore. And then, <laughs> and then eventually, who you actually are and what you need and what you're like is going to come through, and that person is either going to like it or they're not. So if you could just at least go into it knowing like, I might as well bring what's here now rather than waste a bunch of time pretending I'm a certain way to like reel them in and then, and then let down the facade. Right. So that would be like the easy way to explain that, even though it's, it's not that easily done. Yeah. Jenny, I'm imagine you have clients who are looking for the right relationship and have this issue of showing up on that for like meeting people. And how much do I reveal the what, what do I do with this facade? How you know, how 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 authentic should I actually be? Absolutely. Well, I mean, oh, God, the cool girl thing that you just described uh, comes up a lot of something around it not being okay to have an emotional internal world <laughs> that has needs and vulnerabilities and um and to also not be able to really name explicitly what you want which might be a monogamous long-term commitment and it feeling like that's something that's not okay but i'm i'm noticing it evolve you know so much around around that, the different choices around monogamy versus non-monogamy and all those kinds of things. So it's, it, it's really running the gamut in terms of what comes into the, to the office. But what I'm wondering, and I wanted to ask Sophie about is what do you do when you've got a client who comes in and wants to be match made, but it isn't really in relationship with themselves quite yet to even know what is the sod and what is not. Do you, do you experience that with folks? All the time, <laughs> pretty often. Um, I'll be honest. I think most people, unt unless they've really done some inner work, 
some self-discovery, some growth in that sense, they come to me thinking, okay, the only thing that's missing is my person. Like everything is going to, like, I'm going to, like, I, I've got my job. And, and this happens often with women. They, they've, you know, they're like, I have my job set. I spent all this time on my career. I have everything set. I froze my eggs. Everything's ready. Now I just need this partner. This, and, and this is what he looks like or she looks like. Um, this is what they're like. This is what type of career they have. They, they have like a big checklist and that's what it's going to be. Right. And then in reality, they haven't really looked into themselves. They don't understand why they want these things at all. Like what are their actual values around relationships and dating? They've just kind of based it on this story that they've built themselves, like a narrative, a little plot. Right. So when they come to me and I can tell that there's just like absolutely no idea going on there. I mean, all honestly, not just them, everyone does coaching. So that's if they don't if they don't want to be coached, if they just want introductions thrown at them, that's not what I do. <laughs> I, that's not a service alone that I provide. They have to be open to the coaching part of the process. And that means working with, um, with me. I have another matchmaker on my staff who's an empowerment coach. And then I also bring in, uh, you know, I have, first of all, I have Justin who does work with some of my clients when I feel like something like IFS, emotional health coaching would help guide them on this journey. And then, of course, your wonderful last podcast guest, Ryle Castano. He's also one of the coaches on my team and he is amazing in the realm of dating because with authentic relating people, you know, I sort of, I honestly, I'm like, look, this is, you're going to learn a relational practice, but really it's like the work in disguise. <laughs> they really get to drop in and understand like what's going on with them and um and then better understand why they have this checklist and what are they looking for etc so that's what i do i mean that that's the approach basically i love that justin it's been how many years since you've dated you said since you were 20 oh i mean yeah i think audra and i became romantically because we we were friends before that but then i think romantically involved last date was probably 2001 wow. I think it was the okay. last day that I, I went you out. guys didn't even go on a first date then it was like you were friends no it was no it was it was it was 2000 yeah because I think we became romantically yeah involved like later in the year 2000 yeah well it's been I guess it's been over 12 years since I was on a date <clears throat> and I didn't have a matchmaker but I actually in a in a in a in the chaos of my life I was just dating emotionally unavailable person after person. And I, I was so attached to the story that you're describing. I had an idea of what it needed to look like, what they looked like. And, um, uh, I had a psychic actually tell me that, uh, I was headed for years of uh, confusion and, and disappointment. <laughs> if I didn't, you know, those, those are an exact quote. Cause oh, that's, that's, what, that's what you want to hear from a psychic. We got on the phone and the first thing she said was, Oh, Jenny, oh, you're, yeah, you're looking yeah. at years yeah. of disappointment and confusion if you don't get clear <laughs> about why 
why you're chasing. And she was like, you're looking for purpose in someone else and, and no one else can give that to you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'll tell you, it shook me awake. And I did a lot of work. And about a month later, I met my now wife. So, and I was Whoa, ready. That was a month I, later? <laughs> yeah. But I was Whoa. ready in a way I had never been before. Yeah. It was a real cosmic, you know, slap across the face. I mean, it really shook me and woke me up to have somebody just say, girl, this is not going to go well. Oh my gosh, Sophie, I think you need a psychic on your team. I know. I was just going to say, can you uh, get me her information? Because that sounds a lot quicker and simpler than what I'm doing. I know. Oh my gosh. How many uh, sessions did it yeah. take? It was one. It was one really intense. She did not sugarcoat it. Uh, but then I ended up doing um, emotional freedom technique, the tapping. Mm. Do, you, do you know that? Do you know about that? The where you tap on the meridians and you move it through. It's and so I ended up working with a healer because that's all I could afford. I was so broke, and uh, it actually really helped. It moved these core beliefs through. Of you know, I will, I will always like no one will ever pick me. I will never be loved. Uh, these things that God. I you know had unearthed inside of me. These core beliefs, and, um, and then I got to this place where I realized you know, I will always know love. It may not be romantic, but I will always know love in my life. And I felt this peace wash over me. And then three weeks later, I met Tina. So anyway. Yeah. Um, Uh, I I didn't know the whole, I I, I didn't know the whole story. Uh, That's that's, so wonderful. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It was a journey, as we like to say. Yes. Yes. (laughs) So, uh, okay. So I'm, I'm curious about like this, inner work. I mean, what, what surprised me getting to know your matchmaking world um, and what you do was how much, how much work is involved. Like it's, it's, it's not just like, Hey, okay, you, you want a list of people to go out on dates with. And here it is, which is what I assumed the matchmaking where it's like a matchmaking. <laughs> well, yeah, it's like, okay, person a, you go out with person B it's done, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. So, so there's this whole other, I mean, there's like deep, very extensive process. And part of it is the coaching. And so yeah. I'm wondering if you can take us like step by step through the coaching process, like how how you coach someone to go out on the big date. Okay, so the big date. I was looking at this question that you you know you sent me the topics for today, and immediately like I I had like a triggered response to like ah oh, the big date. I hate that question, which immediately made me love the question <laughs> the moment I slowed down. Because there, therein lies basically the biggest challenge in dating today, I think. The stakes are so high when you're going on the big date. Oh my God, I'm going on a date. I have to figure out, we're going to evaluate, I'm going to evaluate, I'm going to be evaluated. This is the lens that everybody is oh, going out Oh, it's like a job under. interview. It's just a yeah? complete interview. <laughs> Suddenly... <laughs> Go ahead. Go Isn't ahead, Jenny. Isn't that too what apps have done? They've sort of yes. sped this up and, and it's like it has to be this instant thing. And if it's not, then get it's like a swipe. You know, it just seems so not authentic. <laughs> so D- don't get hard. me started. I have so many things to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yes, so we can we'll we'll talk about that in a minute as far as why it's like that now but yes in today's dating land just the way modern dating is now everybody is on a date so the label is there 
You're there to figure out if you're going to date. You're there to figure out if you're going to potentially live together someday. Are you going to get married? As opposed to, so, so this, there's this huge focus on the outcome, which brings in the checklist, which brings everybody into their heads. So everybody's in their heads. They're looking at a person across from them and evaluating them. And they know they're also being evaluated. And suddenly there's no focus on the experience of the connection itself. It's just what the outcome is. And it just, it makes, it makes the entire date feel so it's, it's, it's draining. You have to be so on the whole time. Right. And what, so what I do in terms of just the initial, like coaching people to go on dates, I try and get them out as much as possible off the bat, um, just to go on the dates and just practice going in with the thought of, I'm going to get something out of this, regardless if I ever see this person again. Like, let me just go out and share space with another human being. Sophie already took care of my checklist. Like, I don't have to worry that this is like completely off the rails. This person, they already fit into the the general parameters that this client is looking for. So just let go of that and focus on the actual experience that you're having when you're talking to them. So, so then the first part is, is just getting rid of this idea of the big date. Like, like this is, this is not like the one job interview for your perfect job. It's like, no, no, no. Like so adjusting expectations. Yeah. Yeah. And just really like go in there, let go of the outcome, sit down and listen to the other person without wondering what you're going to say next. I mean, it's hard. These are all things that take practice, active listening, you know, <laughs> that doesn't come easily. Curiosity, Curiosity assuming nothing. <laughs> assume, yeah, all the things, right? But, but the more you practice them, that's why I'm like, let's just go on a bunch of dates. My clients have unlimited introductions. So the, I, there's never the feeling like, oh my God, I'm going to use up one of my matches on this. So I have to be really particular about whether I say yes or no to Sophie. No, just keep saying yes and keep going out because this is practice, right? It's practice paying attention to like what you feel like in your body when you're across from this person. Actually, Logan Yuri, the author of How to Not Die Alone, The Surprising Science That Will Help You Find Love, She's amazing. And in her book, she has this list, the post-date eight. And it's just a bunch of questions you want to ask yourself after the date, but you read them before you go on the date. And they really, I think, help get you out of an evaluative mindset and just more into an experiential place. Like, how did my body feel when I was on the date? Did it feel stiff? Did it feel relaxed? Was it something in between? How did I feel energetically? on and after the date? Was I exhausted? Was I energized? Is there anything I'm curious to know more about this person? So really just going into the experience as opposed to the interview. I mean, I think that's the biggest issue is that everybody feels like they are being interviewed and they're interviewing someone else. And let's just let go of that, right? Like, let's just have this experience. 
And, you know, as you're talking, I'm realizing the closest thing I do to dating now is interview people for employment. And even that we do five interviews, like we go on five dates, you know, because it's like (laughs) we have the first one, which I call the vibe check, which I have, you know, my practice manager do because I trust her instinct and I want to get another set of eyes on it. Mm -hmm. But it's so much of what you're saying about just checking in energetically. And I always am like, well, if it's a yes, it's if it's a yes, but I'm not sure. I need more information. Let's meet again. Let's have another mm-hmm. conversation. Um, but then really trusting that feeling of when it becomes a resounding no in my body, or when it's like a a yes. And here are the things about them as a human that I'm going to need to work with because there's no no one is perfect, right? So anyway, right. I'm just struck by. Yeah. You know, why if we're if I'm doing that with an employee, would I expect anything less in choosing a life partner? I mean, that you're gonna really be spending time with. Yeah. Yeah. I think again, if people could just do that more of a vibe check as opposed to a check list check, I think that's just like a first step. In the coaching process, it's first let's just get rid of the big day, let's get rid of the checklist mentality. All right, so I've done that. And then I'm saying, all right, but Sophie, I'm really nervous about this day. Like, tell me how to show up. Tell me what to do. Like, how can I put my best foot forward? What, what are you going to say? Well, I do, I do have my clients, if they're really nervous before dates, like if they really are, look, these days, I would say, because the one, the one thing that I will give, I'll, I'll give a positive to online dating. People are just going on a lot more dates, right? So typically I would say I see less of the, oh my God, I'm so like, I, I'm really, really nervous. Everyone's got nerves before their first dates. I mean, I don't know. I get nerves before I meet any new person. I don't know. It's just like, I've never met them before, but I advise them to do whatever it is that they would do to relax themselves before like definitely first of all don't come to it try not to go to on a date like straight from work it's just bad bad idea it's just you're just running right in your head and usually there's like very little downtime in between people who are extremely nervous i'm like listen you should probably just set aside a good hour hour and a half before take a bath maybe do some stretching again, everything getting into their bodies. I mean, some, some breathing, some four, seven, eight breaths. I I try not to say have a glass of wine, but if wine is their, you know, if they, if, you know, if it's their thing, maybe get there a half an hour early, find your, you know, situate yourself. Um, so you're not like running late and frantic when you get there yeah, it's okay to have a half a glass of wine or, a, you know, half of a, a few sips of a drink to relax. But um, yeah, I mean, honestly, though, it is about just slowing down and reminding yourself that this is not an interview, that this is just meeting a new human being, making a new connection. And who knows what the outcome, maybe this is going to be your friend who's going to introduce you to their friend that's going to be your life partner. I mean, how do you know, right? Just just go in and meet a new person. So in a way, are you saying it sounds like it's sort of an overall attitude change of not focusing on outcome, getting clear about being in the moment and experiencing. And then it also kind of sounds like a numbers game, like just get out there no. and meet as many people as you can. Well, gosh, I hate the numbers. I have to honestly, it's, 
It's not a numbers game. Okay. So, so that will come as num- a great relief to many people to hear that. So it's not a numbers <laughs> game, actually. Um, the, what I say when I say go out on some dates as a matchmaker, I want that. I mean, they come to me, they're paying me to like push them through this process. And so because I'm actively working with them and they're coaching with me and they're coaching with Ryle, for example, like we'll work on all these authentic relating skills. And then I'm like, let's go on the dates so that you can practice them. Right. But as you're practicing them, it becomes so much less of a numbers game because every single interaction is actually so much more um, emotionally intimate. It's deeper. It's more connecting. And so really, it becomes much less of a numbers game, right? It becomes suddenly you're curious to find something about like you immediately look for maybe something that you are drawn to in the person as opposed to a reason to say no, right? Because when you're in a checklist mentality and you're in your head evaluating, you're just looking for the box you're not, you can't check, right? Like what, mm, this, this, no, okay, he didn't do that. Or he said that, and that means that, as opposed to being in your body, connecting from your heart, curious, open, then suddenly you're starting to notice things that you want to connect on. And so it becomes much less of a numbers game. Wow. I have all these questions. I don't know if they're actually helpful, Justin. I'm just so curious. Go for it. No, no, no. Well, so (laughs) Jenny, you are going to demonstrate right now the uh, authentic relating practice of curiosity. So you are, (laughs) you are, you're you're, you're going to lean, lean into your curiosity. I'm noticing no, but I'm just wondering, like, do you ever get clients where they, I don't know, like they're unwilling to do this work around the authenticity or like that you're just like, I can't help you. Like I can't match you. My work has changed and I've changed because I've changed so much over the last year. When I decide, when someone decides whether they want to hire me, I'm also deciding whether I can help them. In, in like the best way possible. Like how can I be when I, because these people are paying me a lot of money too. So this is like an investment. They're tens of thousands of dollars. Right. And so it's, it's, it's really like, I've really stepped into a place where now I really understand how, what, what needs to happen for me to be able, so I, so I can be successful for a client, right? Like, how can I do that? And sometimes, of course, as a matchmaker, you're like, I want to change the trajectory of their life by introducing them to their person. Because yes, that's like the, here it is. Here's the, the engagement ring fingers and all of that is really amazing. But in reality, what I found over the years and now even more so is that to me, it's the same level of excitement and success or even more so when someone comes to me after we've worked together and I didn't introduce them to their partner, but they met their partner, you know, within that year and they come back and they're like, Sophie, it was, it was this, it was, it was this work. It was this process that got me to a place where I had space within myself to actually connect with another person the right way and the right type of person. And I became more open, right? 
And so now when it comes to these, like, look what you said, just to answer your, go back to your question of like, what do you do when someone comes and they're just closed? Like, I just had a call, this a discovery call with somebody this last week. And I discussed with her my process and my coaching and how I introduce people and that I'm running like live events that are private, curated, authentic, relating matchmaking events. And she said, well, what is that? And I explained exactly what happens during an event where there are like these really deep icebreakers. And she was like, so you think I'm going to, you expect me to talk about my like deep feelings and emotions with a complete stranger? And I said, well, everyone I introduce you to is a complete stranger other than the fact that I've met them. So any person you ever meet on a dating app is a complete stranger. And eventually they're going to hear your deepest feelings and emotions. She goes, well, I'm not comfortable with that. I don't do that. And I, she said, that sounds, that sounds really horrible to me. She, she was very clear about that. And, um, and then I said, okay, the events don't sound good. And that's kind of part of my thing now. So like my clients get to have an event catered around them, you know, so for them. And so I said, fine, we could take that off the table. Um, but I asked her, like, are you open to any type of coaching? And she was like, no, I really, I, I have, I have a, she goes, I have a therapist that I see every month or two. I was like, okay. Um, yeah. but she was like, but she was like, literally like, I kid you not exactly that client that like she's mid forties, female, successful attorney froze her eggs. She's like, I just want to meet men who are serious about having a family and they're ready and they don't have any other kids. Like she gave me all of her deal breakers, all of her requirements, and that's all I need. And I, I, I told her that, you know, I don't know that we're a good fit to work together. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I have yeah. to ask Jenny, do you, so I didn't know that this was a type until I met Sophie and started to learn about her work. And I was like, oh, this is a type. Like I, um, so do you see this, th this type? Like, Mid oh, yeah. And these are the, uh, yeah. <clears throat> these are the folks that are really ambivalent about therapy and want to come to therapy once a month. And <laughs> we have to explain that that's not therapy, that that's, <laughs> that's, that's a support animal. I mean, that's not therapy. Um, and, yeah. And so we have a lot of conversations with folks about the ambivalence. And usually these are folks that are super up in their heads. And a lot of, I mean, I'm not to stereotype attorneys, but oftentimes they are att attorneys doctors um yes surgeons um, yeah yeah and there's a lot of um oh gosh it's it's that battle between the 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 concrete external and this this internal unseen world you know which gets so devalued and especially devalued in a culture that's steeped in so much narcissistic injury where everything is in a hierarchy of like doctors and lawyers matter and you know, people in other professions don't, you know, like you're either up or you're down, you either matter or you don't. And, and that checklist to me is, is really speaks of that kind of way of orienting in the world of like, you, you click all the boxes, but it's like, yeah, but where's the humanity, you know, cause the humanity is where we're not in a hierarchy. We're just meeting in this middle place of, we all, you know, we all poop, like we all have our stuff. We all have our, our hurts and our, 
highs and our lows. So yeah, I see this a lot. And a lot of times if it's, if they're very, very intensely kind of defended in this way, they don't, they don't come to therapy. They will, they will bounce very quickly. And, and, um, but then everyone's still, you know, you'll meet someone with a, there's enough curiosity and enough, there's enough hurting, honestly, that they want the hurting to end. And they know that there's no way of getting around this. Um, that they're just gonna, they're, that this internal thing is not going anywhere. And what's really cool is at the end of, you know, a, a therapy treatment, what I love is when clients say, you know, I thought all these concrete things needed to be in place for me to feel better and be happy. I thought I needed to f- meet the man and get the job. And, yeah. and I'm noticing like my outside world, I still have the same job and, you know, I'm still single, but I feel content inside. I feel a peace inside. And then usually that's when they, the job changes or the person comes in, you know, so it's, it's so great to see that relief, but it's a real switcheroo for folks. They're really fixated on if I just get this, this, and this, then I'll be happy. And it's such a disappointment when I'm like, sorry, that's not often how it works. You know, Jenny, I I have to tell you, I tell people this all the time about myself. Like I had this personal experience. (laughs) I mean, I, I became a matchmaker and a dating coach because of how much I dated. And it was such a pursuit because I felt that no matter, it's like all I needed was to get to that snapshot of a husband and kids, a certain type of life that I imagined was going to be my happy life. Little did I know that it did not matter. I mean, like I come from quite a bit of, I would say, capital T trauma. Um, and I, I was just like, oh, I don't, that's cool. Like, I'm cool. Like, I don't cry about that anymore or anything. So we're good. And I just going to find my husband and have my babies and have this and I'll be cool. But guess what? I did that and I wasn't okay still. <laughs> Suddenly I had those things and it did not solve the, the discontent. And, and then, you know, and then of course, you know, I had a child who was diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumor. And then it's like the next atomic bomb. It's like, oh, I think I really need to deal with what's actually happening inside. There's no more running away. You know, what's interesting also, I was just thinking about it when you were talking about this, is that I, I know you see a lot of these women come in um, and men who are, but I would say I, I stereotype women because they really, they, they have their biological clocks and now medicine allows for them to freeze the eggs and everything. I asked this woman this week, I said to her, can you just tell me like, if you could look at these two ideas of like having a family, like becoming a mother versus finding your person, your partner for life to build a life with and grow old with, like, what is, what would you say is more important? Like what's more important to you right now? And she like, couldn't answer it. She just could not answer that question. I said, because, you know, in reality, you can, and she knows, like, she's like, I can control, I can just go have a child on my own, but I don't want to do that. So really, I think almost she was like answering it for herself. It's like, I, I don't know that she was so focused on finding a partner to build and grow, build a life and grow with. She just wanted to become a mother. But, but didn't want to do it alone. And so she needs someone, right, to do that with her, which is not the way to enter into a search for a life partner. 
Yeah, wouldn't you as the life partner sort of feel like an object? <laughs> you know, yes. you're just there to sort of fill a role. It's a product. It's a pro yeah, it's like a service, right? So she's approaching her search as like, I'm looking for somebody to provide this service to me in my life goal of becoming a mom. I just don't want to do it alone. And so where does that leave me as her matchmaker and her future potential partner, which is what was in just an indicator that like, because she wasn't willing to just even be open to like a little bit of work um, around this. It just, I didn't think that I could be successful for her. So I yeah. was just honest about it. I'm imagining that people, <clears throat> that most people are surprised when they come to you and they're like, I'm just looking, yeah, exactly for this product. Um, you're going to help me with this service or this product. Mm -hmm. And then what they hear back from you is like, oh, wait, there's this whole deeper world inside of you that you have not yet explored. And that if you really... Uh, want to get what you're after, you're going to have to go inside and you have to do this work. Um, yeah. I, so I, yeah, so that's more of a comment than a question, but I'm imagining there's a lot of surprise and probably more often what you received this week of like, whoa, pump the brakes. I don't want to do that. Yeah. She specifically, this woman um, was, she was not only, I think, surprised by everything that I told her, and, and asked her, but she, in the end of the call, I asked her, how are you feeling right now? And she was like, I, I'm feeling really bummed out. Like she was sad at the end of the call <laughs> because I couldn't tell her what she wanted to hear. I couldn't say, okay, you're going to pay me $30,000 and I'm going to, I'm going to provide you with these these, these profiles, these people, these humans. She was, she was bummed. I, I, I told her we should just reconnect in a couple of weeks, let her think about, you know, stuff. But yeah, she was, she was surprised and she was a little depressed. I think about it. I think it comes as a great disappointment for folks who've through no fault of their own been really in, indoctrinated into this illusion, you know, of like, do this and this and this, and it equals this. You know, if I, if I get the good grade, you know, I, I, I look a certain way, I get the grades, I have the career and, and then I will be successful. And, and it's, it's such a bummer when it doesn't work that way. And when they're being invited or initiated in some way in their life, you know, to sort of connecting to this part of themselves that they were never taught to connect with. I mean, I have so much compassion because they come by it honestly. It's not like, oh, yeah. you know, they're yeah, trying yeah, yeah. to be closed off. It's just like, it's scary. It's unknown. It's been devalued and seen as weak or dangerous, yeah. uh, you know, and yeah, it is such a bummer. I mean, I have to disappoint people all the time as a therapist when they come in and they, how many weeks is this going to take? You know, I'm hoping in four weeks we can, you know, we can, we can, we can rock this trauma. Well, you know, maybe, maybe not, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like where is the 30 days to a new you program? Can, can we, you know, can we hop on that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, well, it helps, you know, internal family systems, which we've talked about and we are going to talk about in the future on the podcast. But that really helps me uh, have a lot of compassion for for this type of person 
Because what comes up is like, oh, they've got one super powerful manager part, at least one, but like really that has that has kicked ass in so many ways and has shown mm-hmm. up for them and has really done an amazing job. But it's like, this is not a job for that particular part. And, and yeah. all of many of the other parts have been, you know, exiled or pushed away. And then, of course, that deeper true self is just, you know, behind all of this. And so, yeah, that's just a lot of compassion because like, oh, but I mean, this, uh, everything else we've done has been so good. But uh, yeah, there's a whole different, it's a whole different ballgame. It, it really is. Okay. So Sophie, you, I, I, I am curious because you have been in this matchmaking game for some time now. This is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, not, not your first rodeo. So how has it changed for you? I mean, so much has changed in this last year, you know, as we've worked together, yeah. but I mean, when you take a look, when you first got into the matchmaking game, what, over a decade ago? Yeah. Um, then, yeah. 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 The, and you look at what you're doing today. Can you give us a, a like a big picture of how that has all changed? Yeah, sure. So um, I started date coaching just on the side as a side gig because people started sending me their friends and fa- everyone like, oh, Sophie has dated a lot. She dated a ton. She's the dating story girl. Um, and I would I st- just started like charging people on the side um, to help them with their profiles and just navigate through dating. Um, especially after I met my husband. So like, oh, she figured it out. She did it. I did that. And so eventually, though, many years later, I went to work for a larger agency, which is a a matchmaking agency. And I was there for a few years. And um, I started there by doing, they only did blind dates. So um, I introduced people without them ever seeing one another's photos, profiles, anything. I would just interview, screen the matches. I get to know my clients, screen the matches. And then just let the client know, okay, here's your next match. You know, he's this old, he lives here, he does this, has some, you know, has two kids, let's say whatever it is, right? And I would give them like, I always let them pick, I'd say, what are your like two curiosities you would want to know about a person before you meet them? And then they would tell me, well, I want to know if whatever, or I could say like, you could ask me any question and I'll ask them that, right? And so I would just give them those tiny little nuggets before they would meet the person and they'd go on the date. Okay. So there were some drawbacks when it comes to like people who are extremely looks driven. (laughs) Um, Even no matter how transparent I was, I would always describe the person. Okay. This person's this tall, this type of body type, shaved head, you know, athletic body type, whatever it is. Right. But for the most part, I would say it was it was an amazing process to match people blind because they did not have a, a profile to reject, right? They didn't they couldn't look at photos and decide, oh, that one's cute, but I don't like that one. So no, there was not much for them to go off, and they could go in with like a very clean slate, not as many expectations. They hadn't overthought all this information that they'd been given, right? So that was great. Then when I broke off and started my own agency, I actually switched gears and decided, okay, I'm going to show photos because now I'm, I'm charging so much more, uh, you know, because I'm a boutique matchmaker and there's me, you know, I just work with this tiny little handful of clients, very white glove. So I switched to doing photos and profiles 
And it's been great. And even though like I am the humanizing aspect of sharing profiles, right? So when I show a profile, I've already told, I've already met the other person. I've essentially, I say, I've gone on the first date for you. Like I've gauged their energy. I've talked to them, whatever. And I show them the profile. I show the profile to my client. Then they're deciding, right? But still in the last couple of years, I've noticed, and I've been kind of debating, and now I'm just, now it's really shifting. I just see that because everyone is so conditioned from online dating to looking at photos, looking at data points and finding the thing they don't like and saying, okay, no, 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 no. Or so, so a lot of people push back on matches because of just one thing they saw, right? They'll say, no, no, it's just not. And I know, I know what's going on with them. Or they'll say yes. And then they'll Google the person on their own and find more photos and more information and da, da, da. And then they'll like email me and be like, I don't know, you know, I, I maybe I, sh- I, I said yes, but like now I saw this person's Instagram and da, da, da. And they're just looking for a reason to say no, right? As opposed to a reason to say yes. And this is all from shop, it's like they're shopping, right? They're shopping for their partner. And so I, because people can't help themselves, I I just, I'm shifting gears. I still show photos to my executive matchmaking clients and I still show profiles. Um, but this is kind of what led me back into doing what I'm doing now, which is somewhat blind dating, which are my live events. Because when I curate an event for a client or for a couple of clients, I interview every person that's coming to the event. They don't see any profiles. So no one sees anyone's profiles. They all show up, 10 men, 10 women, whatever it is. And they've trusted in me that I put in the guardrails. I took care of their checklist. Everyone is within the parameters that they have expressed they are looking for. And then they all get to meet. And it's been like the first event. It was like magical what happened. I have a couple that is like dating right now who have just told me we never, ever would have swiped on each other, even agreed to a date had I presented the match. Like they are full on dating and having these amazing, honest conversations with each other because they got to learn authentic relating at the event. That's how they met. They didn't know what one another did. They didn't know how old they were, nothing. It was all just this general parameter. So it's definitely changed. I think I'm almost circling back to like my my initial days of like this blind aspect. So basically what I'm doing is I'm removing the shopping part, right? So you're not shopping with your checklist anymore. I took care of the checklist. You're not looking at pictures. You're not looking at profiles. And then I'm also with the help of Ryle Castano, we are facilitating the interaction itself. So suddenly the big date isn't the big date anymore. And we're really getting people to connect on a much deeper level right off the bat. So that's how it's changed for me. It's yes. I think what you're moving into with these authentic relating events for dating (laughs) is I guess really, really revolutionary i think i want to send all my single friends to one of these events bring it on do they do to go to the 
to go to the event, do you have to be one of the 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 thirty k executive people? No, or can, no, completely sliding not. scale. Uh-uh. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's actually, first of all, it's completely free to be in my dating singles directory. We match our paying clients mostly with non-paying members. Otherwise, we would have a very small pool to match in. So the whole, I like my business model and all boutique agencies and all, I would say most matchmakers, we have a very small boutique agencies. We have a small roster of paying clients. And then we have databases with thousands of interesting, vetted, intentional daters and so that way we can cast a really wide net. And so, yes, the event that I went to that I just just put on a couple of weeks ago, um, it was 11, 11, 11 men, 11 women. I only had four of my paying clients there. Everyone else was a free member. And right now we're not charging to come to the events. I mean, eventually that might change. But um, right now we it, it is invite only. So you have to be vetted and screened by me. Um, and okay, yes, you're a good fit because everyone there is like a potential match for one another based on my, my opinion, my professional opinion. So, so yeah, it's completely free and totally open and I'll happily send you the land. You know, there's a sign up form online, there's landing page. They just can go on there and I'll send some, um, therapists your way because that's yes we like therapists because the the thing that's missing is they want someone who can authentically relate who can totally you know is connected to some their insides on some level and it's been so frustrating (laughs) for them sort of you know so this is great it's like oh yeah um you know a a shared value it is it is and it's really hard i think for the clients of mine that have done so much work it's really hard it's dating is harder on some level. So it's easier on them because they aren't so stuck in their heads. They're not freaking out as much, right? They're just like bringing themselves, right? But then it's like, oh, uh, then you have to find someone who can at least be also done to the work. You there. <laughs> yeah. Or at least open to or is starting to or gets it. Once you meet someone who's just shut off, is not going to cut it anymore. So. So now we need to know all of the details. How can people find you? Just learn all about the work that you're doing. Give us all the details. Just go to my website. And it's, I mean, all of the, all of the information's there. All of my get started form is there. You can sign up for event. You can put your interest form for events there. It's Sophie, S-O-P-H-Y, not I-E, as www.com. S-O-P-H-Y dot love, Sophie dot love. My company is called Sophie Love and that everything is there. Yeah. Can they find you on Instagram, other yes. social? Yeah. Matchmaker uh, do you Sophie. Do TikTok dances? Or it, I am not doing TikTok. Or, I mean, I have a TikTok <laughs> okay. and it's, uh, it's not that active. But Instagram okay. is Matchmaker Sophie, also with a Y, all one word. Um, but yeah, my website is the easiest place to start. And everyone who goes in, they create a profile. I have two additional matchmakers. If somebody is interested just in being in our database, they usually get screened as well by one of my matchmakers. If they're interested in learning about paid services, 
I have another person that does their intake, gets to know them, what they're looking for, shares information kind of about my services, my pricing, all of that. And then if, if it seems like it's like, okay, then they'll, then they'll meet me and we'll do a kind of a deeper discovery call. So yeah, the website's really the best place you can, and they can sign up. Awesome. They can on any form indicate that they are interested in events, et cetera, all that. So. Beautiful. All right. So we got the last three questions that we ask every guest. All right. So here we go. First one is if you could put a big post-it note on every person's refrigerator tomorrow morning, what would that post-it note say? Okay. I'm going to use this. I'm going to say the thing that I saw on the mug at a coffee shop in LA mm. last week. <laughs> <laughs> I got that um, picture. I, yes. Yes. I said it suggested. I was like, do I need this mug? Um, <laughs> um, it never gets easier. You just get better. It never gets easier. You just get better. Yeah. You, you can choose this one for the second question, but if you want to throw something different in there, that's okay. So the mm -hmm. last quote that you saw that changed the way you think or feel? Uh, but I just saw, I mean, I love Carl Jung quotes always. <laughs> um, I just saw one and I actually posted it yesterday. So I'll, I, I think I'm going to do this one. Everything that irritates us about others can lead us to an understanding of ourselves. Initially, you read it and you're like, oh, but then you're like, God, once I, <laughs> once I actually accepted this, and understood it. It's so liberating. It's like so liberating to know that how I react to anyone I've ever interacted with, anyone, it doesn't matter who they are, it only has to do with me and not with them. And so now I own that. Like it's mine to understand, change, control, whatever it is, right? I don't have to depend on anyone else. Um, to determine like how I experience interactions and life mm, in general. So yeah. it's a very like liberating thing to just come to terms with. <laughs> oh yeah. I, um, in, in, in internal family systems, they would, they would call those trailheads like, Oh, like this person's activating me. Oh yeah. Th there, there's something here for me to explore. Yeah. Like yeah. this is, yeah. The beginning. The okay. Okay. So the th the third question is, what is one thing giving you hope right now? I'll just make it about me. <laughs> um, my own healing, um, definitely. Um, how it's to see how over the last and it's been about ten months now, how it's really rippled across every single aspect of my life. Um, but the most significant thing that I think is truly giving me hope is seeing how my healing has changed, not only how, um, my, ch how connected I am with my children, the connection with them, but actually seeing firsthand how my healing shows up in them. It's like a beacon of hope to see mm. how it can, like, I see my daughter, my son, I see them being different. And I recognize that it's what I've done internally that's coming through to them. And it's just like it to see that and to understand that, wow, we can actually break these cycles of passing down the trauma, 
the, the, you know, the emotional illness, the mental illness, which then leads to so many physical ailments and just seeing that that's possible, like seeing it happen in my nine and a half year olds is, is a lot of hope. Mm, Beautiful. Beautiful. Oh my gosh. Sophie has been wonderful. Oh, Jenny, is there any, any final thoughts, uh, comments? No, I'm just grateful to meet you and thank you for this conversation. It's been wonderful. This has been great. Thank you. I'm glad I finally got to meet you too, Jenny. I've been listening to your voice for a while. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. Sophie, you're doing amazing work. I mean, bringing this into the dating world is really revolutionary. Like it's really changing the game. And um, I'm just so glad that we could have you on to talk about it. Thank you. Thank you for having me, guys. Hey, if you like what we're doing here at Yes Collective Podcast, please subscribe on your favorite podcast player, share it with other parents in your life, and give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Yes Collective is a mental health movement for all parents, so let's spread the love.